0: Oh, we're going to have some fun. I'll always have fun. You know, God, you know, God has a good sense of humor. Amen. And if you don't believe he does, look to the right of you, look to the left of you, look in the mirror. We're all funny. We all are. If you take yourself too seriously, you're going to be miserable. A couple of quick announcements. Everyone has them, but number one, I'm desperate. I still need friends. And So if you're on Facebook, just type in Preacher Woody Woodson. If you type in Woody Woodson, there are like 200 of us. But there's only one preacher, Woody Woodson. So, so go ahead and do that. that and, and, you know, in the next few months, we're going to start tw- twittering or frittering, whatever that is. <laughs> you know, I always try to keep up with the Amish when it comes to technology. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, how many of you know we're in a key season as a nation? And, you know, all I'm going to say is read the book and vote, you know, and and just, you know, get before God and whatever God tells you to do, do. It's easy. But I also want, I gave a word, you know, I think I put it on Facebook for you, but God showed me that the nation in the next few weeks now is going to make a shift. And wherever the shift is, you know what God told me? He said, don't be as concerned about the shift as the open doors that the shift is going to create. And either if it shifts one way or the other, the main thing is we should look for the open door for ministry. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, don't get depressed over it or don't get so excited about the shift that you think the shift is the answer. It's not. The shift will create opportunities. Come on now. Amen. Amen. And, you know, it makes no difference. You know, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to try to make it shift my way. <laughs> so are you guys, hopefully. Yep. You know, that's part of the process. But the bottom line is there's going to be ministry opportunities. Right. And we need to see that. You, how many people understand there's no panic in heaven, only plans? Yep. Right. You know, Corey Tambone said that years ago. And, uh, you know, God, God always has planned. Whatever you're facing today, there's a plan. And how many of you understand God doesn't think like you do? Because God's never said, I just thought of that. <laughs> Some of you tonight, I'll say something, oh, I never thought of that one before. God's never said that. And honestly, he's, he's the only know-it-all that's real. <laughs> I've met a lot of know-it-alls, but they're not real. But there's only one that's real. Amen. And when you say, God, what are we going to do? He doesn't say, well, I'll have to get back to you i have to think about this one and let you know. No, he already knows everything. Yeah. Come on. That's good news. That's good. Yeah. Somebody going to get this. <laughs> I want to get into something tonight, and I want you to go to Revelation 19. There's a reason I, 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 I'm i getting I I want people to regain momentum. Yeah. Because how many of you understand mom, the big mo is a big thing? Yeah. And, and I want to talk tonight about something that God is instituted. When I, when I entered this year, I asked God, I said, God, what are you speaking to me for about this year, uh, you know, 2012? And this is what he said. He said, tell my people I want to do it again on a different level. Do my, tell my people I want to do it again, but on a different level. And I started thinking about Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, he, what he's done before he's going to do again. And then I thought about John fourteen twelve, which says the works that I do, you shall do also, and on a different level, greater works. You know, recently I, I did a TV thing that, uh, for TCT, and it was, it was worldwide, and it had the potential to be aired in 130 million homes. That's how many uh, homes that that cable system has. And I kept thinking, you know, Jesus couldn't have done that when he was alive. So in one sense, that was a greater work. Come on. And some of us right now, we have tremendous opportunities. And I started asking, I said, God, how come the church has lost momentum? And he began to talk to me about the power of the testimony. Because in the Hebrew, the root word for testimony means to repeat. The reason we testify is so that God can do it again. Think about that. When you talk about how God healed you, you're saying the stage for God to heal someone else. When you talk about how God saved you, you're saying the stage for God to save someone else. And the more you testify, the more God shows up. He does it again and again and again. It's, and the number one thing the enemy wants to do is take the testimony out of your mouth. Because the Bible says in revelation twelve10 and eleven you overcome Satan by the word of the test by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony of your testimony. come on now, see people can talk you out of your doctrine It's hard for them to talk you out of your experience. Come on, it's too late for you to tell me God doesn't heal today. you know just recently my my son gave A testimony, he's really not giving his personal testimony too often. But, he, he, you know, I I was wondering what he was going to say because he was saved filled with the Holy Ghost at age four. He doesn't know anything but faith. You know, he's never cussed, never drank alcohol. I'm not saying that just because... But he never has, never wanted to. You know, has never been to a bad movie. Well, other than bad acting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, he's just... But the bottom line, when he gave his testimony, he he said that. He said, you know, I was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost at age four. But he said, my testimony began when I was born. Because many of you have heard the fact that when my son was born, he didn't have oxygen to his brain for 45 minutes. And basically, the doctors told me by the time they got him on the respirator and and did all they can do, the doctor looked at me and said, he's He's going to be brain damaged. Those are the words. And I remember looking at the doctor and said, he's healed. I didn't try to work it up. I just knew it. I just knew. I knew my God. I said, he's the healed. And the doctor said, you don't understand medicine. I said, you don't understand God. And, you know, my my son began to give his testimony. He said, my testimony began at birth. And he said, you know, the doctor said I'd be brain damaged, but God. God. Every one of us, our testimony is a but God moment. Uh, but God, you know, we should be dead. But God, come on. Now. Many of us have had more lives than cats. But God, come on now. <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? But God, some of you need to begin to realize God stepped in. He intervened and he'll do it again. The same God who did it before will do it again. But God, you know, and he went on to talk about his perfect ACT score, SAT score. And, and you know, this last year he was honored as the top Meteorology student in the world at the International Science Fair, you know, with you know, com- competing against 62 nations, and you know, and then and, and most people look at him, and it, the very thing the enemy attacked is what God's using. Yes. Yes. And many of you, the very area that you're under attack right now, you know, God wants to turn your mess into a message, He wants to turn your test into a testimony. How I many of you understand the, the, the hardest thing? People always say, yeah, I love your testimonies. I said, no, you don't. You love my money. The problem with testimonies, there's a test before the money. You have to count it as joy during the test. But when you pass the test, money cometh. Come on now. And every test is whether you're going to believe God. Every test is a faith test. Every test is a faith test. The enemy comes to try your faith, to see if you really believe what you say. And if you'll believe it, God will show up every time. Come on, somebody. You, let's go to Revelation 19. I'm going to have some fun tonight. I hope I have enough fun for all of you. Some of you, I, I, you know, one of the things I think we need to do is continue to begin to remember all God's done. Go back over all the miracles. Go back over when you had no money. And, you know, where God made a way where there was no way. You may be in that situation, but you may be on a different level of it. Remember how God healed you in the past so you could be healed today. Remember, you know, every time we remember, we set the atmosphere. And people need to hear your story. Your testimony never is old. Never is. Revelation 19.10. Let me go there. I, I need to. Get in the word. So it says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. It's talking about John on the island of Patmos. An angel was part before him. And he said to to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time you testify, you prophesy. Think about that. When you testify how God healed you, you're prophesying to a sick person that God will do it again. Come on now. When you testify how God delivered you, you're you're prophesying to someone that needs deliverance. Most people don't need to hear a message. They need to see someone that was where they were and is now on the other side. You start looking at the largest ministries in the world. And, you know, one of the largest is Joyce Meyer. And there are a great teacher. She's a great teacher. But you know what? why people come to hear her? Because she was sexually abused for years as a young child, physically and sexually abused. And I know some of her family members. So I know the reality. And she will share her story of how God brought her from being a victim to a victor. And the process she went through. And while she tells that, she's, ha- she's prophesying to all the victims. She's given hope. Your story needs to be told. Come on now. It gives hope to those. It gives hope to the hopeless. I remember years ago, you know, uh, Brother Hagin would always tell about how he was healed on the bed of affliction. When he was a 15-year-old boy, dying of heart disease. And he learned Mark 11 about having the faith of God. That if you would believe and not doubt in your heart, you could speak to the mountain; and it would obey you that when you pray, you could believe you received it and you shall have it. And at that moment, he believed for his healing, even though the doctor said he was going to die. And God raised him up off the bed of affliction. And the last time I heard Brother Hagen tell that story was be, right before he died at age 85. Amen. He would tell over and over and over and over again. It never got old. Come on. He told it for 70 years. I had a friend that was laying in with multiple sclerosis. She was thir- in her 30s. She's on her bed. She gets a cassette tape from Brother Hagen's ministry, or someone brings it. She hears about how Brother Hagen was on the bed of affliction. She can't move, she has three small children. She can't get out of bed. She can't be the mom she wants to be. And when she first heard it, she got her Bible. She was able to at least do that much and read those scriptures. And she kept listening over and over and over and over again. It was prophesying to her. See, She was in her bed of affliction. Brother Hagin was on his bed of affliction. And the same God. The same God. And he kept saying, Lord, you... If you do it for him, you'll do it for me. Right. And she started fighting and moving what she couldn't move before. And it was a two-year process. And during that time, she, she was a star track star, I mean runner, in high school, ran cross country. And she said, I'm going to run marathons. And last time I was there, it was the 19th year that she has finished the Boston Marathon. 19th year. <laughs> You'll never know. She has more energy than anyone. She's a woman's minister, runs up and down the pews because she can. (laughs) You know, she's about my age. It's ridiculous to watch her, though. (laughs) But, you know, it started with a word. It started with someone giving a testimony because God wanted to do it again. Come on now. Every time Brother Roberts was going to lay hands on the sick, he would talk about being healed of tuberculosis. At age 17. Last time I heard him tell that story, he was 89 years old. 72 years and never got old. And when he would tell it, the atmosphere would change. Because there's something about a reality. Come on, somebody. Does this make sense to you? See, the Bible says in Psalm 111 too, the Bible says the works of God are studied by all who delight in them. You need to remember the works of God. You need to tell the works of God. And you need to learn the lessons from the miracles. The disciples, they were there when Jesus multiplied, you know, the, the, you know five loaves and two little minnows. Actually, five wafers. People say, five loaves. No, it wasn't Bubba. He was a little boy. <laughs> it was like five little wafers and two minnows. little boy's lunch. Come on. And God fed 5,000 beside women and children off of that. He was there when he saw the 4,000 be fed. They were there, in the, and, and when they were in the boat going across the other side, Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they thought it was because of, they had no bread. Actually, they had one loaf. And, he, and Jesus said, why are you reasoning among yourselves? I'm not talking about that. Tongue, don't, don't listen to the teaching of the Pharisees. But then he went on to say, how is it that you didn't remember the, the miracle of the loaves and fishes? How is it that you never learned the lesson from the miracles? You know, if you understand the lesson from the miracles, if God has made, provided once for you miraculously, you're not, you should not even be allowed to think lack again. If you really learned the lesson, some of you need to revisit. You re- remember the miracles, but you haven't learned the lesson from it. Come on, somebody! You're going to get something whether you like it or not tonight. I'm going to get you stirred whether you like it or not. We need to recount the, the 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 works of God. You know what Paul said? Paul said, "I don't even presume in Romans 15 verse." 18 and 19, he said, I I don't even try to preach to you except for what God's accomplished through me. Paul preached out of his experience. If it wasn't working for him, he wasn't preaching it. You know, there are a lot of things I can teach, but I won't teach them because they're not working like they should in my life. But everything I'm teaching is working on some level. Come on now. It's been proven. Come on. Yeah. You know, sometimes through the fire and I got off to the other side. Does this make sense? Yes. See, God literally wants to do things again. He wants you to tell your story so he can repeat it. Yeah. When, my son gave, when I gave the testimony about my son's healing, there's a, I was just in Pennsylvania a week ago. This little boy came up to me. He's five years old now. And when he was one years old, one year old, he was diagnosed with a form of cancer that medical science there has never been a reported healing of. Very form, very rare form of leukemia. And what was weird is his mom wrote me during that time because, you know, they had to drain the blood out of his body three times, and each time they thought that would just totally. They had to artificially try to keep him alive. But his mom said one of the things, he said, I knew the word that says by, by God's stripes he's the healed. But he said, you know, it was your testimony about how you fought for your, your son's life. And he said, I kept saying, God. And he said, I remember you said, you, you and I was screaming, he shall live and not die. No devil in hell is going to take my son's life. And he said, you know, it it gave me the courage to fight. Six months ago, they they sent him down to Disney World for a Make-A-Wish Foundation, thinking it was close to the end again. Something happened right after that. They stood in faith. And for, for some reason, and doctors cannot explain it, all the blood counts are now normal. You know... He's playing soccer. He's doing things that normal kids. In fact, his mom says, I know this sounds weird, but when he he had strep throat a few weeks ago, and he said, Woody, I know I shouldn't be thankful for strep throat, but when you have a child that any little thing is rush him to the hospital and see if he'll live. And for the first time in his life when he had strep throat, it was like any other five-year-old. They could just throw them on the antibiotics, and it was no big deal. That's the type of God. See what I'm saying? That's the type of God. And some of you, honestly, you have that story. You need to remember it. You need to. And if you don't find someone, if you're facing something, find someone that's had the answer. You know, find someone. You know, learn a testimony of someone that got healed of what you're facing. You know, if God did it before, He'll do it again. Let's go to Psalm 78. this okay? Some of you, honestly, if you, if you will begin to remember, you'll be so energized. I started thinking of all the miracles I've seen. It's freaky. I mean, I've seen paralytics r- get up in the middle of a service and run. I've watched God replace organs in people. I've watched, I mean, you know... There's another lady at that particular church in Pennsylvania. She came in the fourth stage of liver cancer 10 years ago, given less than three months to live. And she's you know, been healed ever since. Back working. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. And every time God does something, it sets the stage for him to do it again. The more you, you talk about what God has done, the more he will do. Many times we need to draw from the past to gain momentum for the future. When we're facing the giant, we need to remember the lion and the bear. We need to remember how God helped us before. And the same God, the same Jesus, come on now. That uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like them. Come on. Some of you right now, God's just trying to you get your courage back up. Take courage. Psalm 78, let's look at this. I love this stuff. Verse 4, it says, We will not conceal them from their children, but tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strengths and His wondrous works that He's done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers so they should teach them to their children. God wants to establish a testimony in you. Come on now. Yeah. He wants to establish that, that the generations to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. Yeah. What I'm going to tell you right now is there are some stories that should never be lost. If your kids cannot tell your story as well as you have, you're not doing your job. If they don't know how God made a way where there was no way, if they can't recite the details, you haven't passed down. Remember when Joshua, in Joshua chapter 4, God rolled back the Jordan River? As soon as he crossed over the other side, he said, set up 12 stones, memorial stones so that when your kids ask you what these stones mean you tell them the story you tell don't let them lose the story it's very important that they never forget the story recently with my son we were facing something and he's old enough to be part of it you know when they're really little keep them out of the pressure but as they grow up let them use their faith come on now part of the growing process so we brought him in in a situation that we were facing and his reaction was daddy it's like when god did this for you now he told me a story he wasn't alive then let me say that again he was not alive then but he knew the story he knew the story and when moment he told the story it was exactly what i needed to hear because it brought me back to bring me forward. It was the same situation where God was going to make a way where there was no way. Come on now. Many of you, you need to remember how God brought you this far. Come on. Yeah. This church, I remember going in in the bank when there were <laughs> nobody. It was me and a little smiley guy named Bill. <laughs> you know? Bill and Pam, that was about it. But you know, look what God's done. And the more you remember what God's done, the more you can believe for him to take you to the next level. The same God that brought you this far is going to open up the next level. Come on now, the same God. The more you remember, the more you can go on. Goes on to say that they should put their confidence in God. That's what the stories do. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And not be like their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Goes on to say the sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. And that's where the church has been. We we know more today than ever before. There's no excuse for not knowing the word. None. I mean, you can go on the internet. You can go. I mean, you can find anything you want to find. And we have more knowledge now than ever before, and yet people don't have the will to fight. Amen. It goes on to say, or you know, they fight the wrong enemy. They fight among themselves. And I believe God's going to bring. I believe we're coming to a season of recovery as a nation, and we are going to join hands. And stop fighting each other. Let's get this nation back on track. Let's get God in the middle of it. Come on. You know, we can see this thing turn if we'll turn to him. It goes on to say they did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. I asked God, I said, God, why aren't people willing to fight? And this is what he said. Verse 11, he said, they forgot his deeds and his miracles. When you forget the supernatural, you're stuck with the natural. When you forget how God intervened before, then you're on your own. Come on. God wants you to stir up some stuff. If you need a healing today, remember how God healed you in the past. If you need a financial miracle, remember where you you could pay your bills in the past. The same Jesus. just the way it is see miracles change the way you see things and the church is supposed to be supernatural in fact you know these signs will follow them that believe god will give you an experience that that should set the course of your life he'll mark you with certain things well you can't return from certain things Well, you've experienced God in a certain... It's like I said, people come to me and say, well, miracles, God stopped doing miracles. I said, maybe in your house. Let me show you the doctor's report. Irrefutable proof. Don't tell me. Don't tell me, I'm going to try to stir you up because we have been limiting God. Now we need to begin to invite them back in. Remember, 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 remember. God's about ready to do something beyond what we can ask or think, but we need us to begin to think on what he's done in the past. Think. Stir it back up. Remember it. I begin to recognize, I said, God, you are a God that constantly, you know, The reason why God has to give a testimony, I remember years ago, I I was, it was before I was saved, I just cut high school, high school, I was a senior. And I'm sitting there, I was always drunk back in those days. Always. I, you know, I could hit a baseball better drunk than people could do sober. My problem was not hitting the baseball, my problem was finding the bag after I hit it. So, you know. But I'm sitting there on the couch with my J and B looking at the TV. And I just happened to turn on a movie and it was a black and white movie, but it got my attention. And in the movie, there was this guy running away, obviously running, either running from God or running from, but he had a bottle in his hand. I had my bottle, he had his bottle. We connect him. so i'm watching well it was a, a movie called a man named peter and at the time a story about peter marshall the first chaplain of the the senate and when he was running away from god all of a sudden god got a hold of him and it was like that movie was talking to me it I, I was talking to me when he was running with the bottle. It was talking to me when God got a hold of him. And all of a sudden, it was like it was prof- prophesying to a young boy. And I, I began to relate so much to him. I wanted to be just like that guy. I saw how God used him. And for some reason, it, it was like, come on. And you got to understand, Peter Marshall was dead when I watched the movie. But his testimony was still alive. Yeah. It was like God was saying, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And so many times we need to understand the testimonies live on. Yeah. Come on. That literally every time God does something, it's not just for a certain person, it shows God's no respecter of pe- people. So when you hear how God supplied for someone else, rejoice, don't get upset. Because what it means is you're next in line. He's still doing it today. If he did it for one person, he'll do it for another, praise God. You know, the more we begin to dwell on stuff. And I remember, you know, when I first got saved, and some of you are in this situation, it was like God saved my household. And that was my number one cry. Because, you know... I would testify to them. They looked at me like I was crazy. But Acts 16.31 said, Both me and my household shall be saved. Both me and my household shall be saved. And I began to intercede for my family. I was the first one in my family that was saved in my generation. You know, we've done the family tree thing. There were preachers in other generations, but I was the first born-again person in my generation. And when I was praying, I said, God, you've got to save my family. And how many people understand, in every family, there's a key member. So my key member was my dad. My dad is a lot like my son. He was, my dad is, you know, was a genius. I believe my son is a genius. It does skip generations. <laughs> My dad had a degree from Princeton. Actually, studied under Albert Einstein. Is one of the hand-picked people, the only non-scientific mind that he had chosen to be part of that group while he was in Princeton. And he had he went on to get a doctorate from law in Columbia and had one by age 18. Pretty smart. <laughs> he was a, he was one of the leading attorneys in America. He was a professional sewer. People ask me, what your dad do for a living? I say, he's a professional sewer. (laughs) With all respect. But when I started praying for him, you know, the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And, you know, rich people don't see their needs. You know, when you're poor, you know you're poor. You know you need help. When you're rich, you don't think you need anything. But you still need help. Go on now. And I was praying for him, and it's hard for an intellectual to enter the kingdom because how many people understand faith is not of the head? You can't figure God out. Faith is of the heart. Now, if you, if you take logic to its fullest extent, it would make, you would probably come to the conclusion that God's more logical than not God. Yeah, right. But the bottom line is you still can't know God that way. Yeah. So I was praying for my dad, and, you know, I get a phone call one day. You got to say, my dad never called me. My dad had his people call me. You find out with rich people, they don't. You know, hey, my, he had a guy that worked for his law firm. He called me every week. Macho guy he said, "Your dad loves you," and I would pretend like I couldn't hear him because he hated saying that. He said, "Your dad," lo-. I said, "Speak up." Your dad, lo-. I said, "Shout it." Your dad loves you. I said, "You tell him I love him too, and I'm gonna call, him, make sure you tell him." Well, this guy hated me for that, but in fact. <laughs> He, I, I took it to the extreme one time because he calls me up. He, he, he said, your dad loves you. And I finally, he said, I know. Tell him I love. loves you. I said, no. I was thinking of this for a while. I've had to, I still have to repent. But I said, you, I said, in our family, that's not true, by the way. But I said, in our family, it, it is a tradition that I always would kiss my dad on the cheek and then tell him I love him. So I want you to go in there and kiss him in the cheek and tell him you're... He's a, so I called my dad later and he said, I almost fired that guy because of you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. You know, it was. <laughs> but this time my dad called me up. He said, take a deep breath. And I took a deep breath and he tells me my, my mom committed suicide. And, for, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen anytime. time. But when rich families, it's not, never supposed to happen. And... He said, I don't know any preachers. He said, well, you do your mom's funeral service. And so the first time I ever preached to adults, I I did some fellowship Christian athletes to, to, to youth, but the first time I preached to adults was my mom's funeral service. And my dad got radically saved. For the first time in his life, he couldn't write a check and make it all better. He couldn't take a book and make the pain go away. And he got radically saved, and most of my family... That was the starting point. They're all, I mean, you know, you go to a family reunion, my entire family serving God. Every one of them, every one of them, every one of them, every one of them, both me and my household shall be saved. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up. I mean, there may be some that are being stubborn, but don't give up. If they're breathing, you know, you might as well tell them, you know, you can run and waste some time or you make it easy on yourself. (laughs) But you're going to get saved. Come on. And then my dad said, I want to go to church with you, and I didn't want him to go to church with me. Some of you have heard this story, but I don't care. I like telling it. And, you know, my greatest concern is if my dad got saved, where do I take him to church? I want him to take him to a church that was sort of charismatic. Thumbs up. Where, where the pastor was Dr. So-and-so. Where the, the, the parking lot was full of Mercedes and Cadillacs. Problem was, I was going to an inner city church. We didn't have a parking lot. We had policemen we hired for two cars that were there, so they'd still be there afterwards. We had a guard dog that lived in the church, literally. He lived in a church office. That's where they kept the money. Many times when you were preaching, you'd hear the dog barking real loud so we'd have to go and there, there was a chimney in that, that office and a thief would try to break in steel and the dog would chase him up the chimney and we had to go rescue the thief. <laughs> Intercity ministry. You know, my pastor wasn't Dr. So-and-so. He couldn't spell doctor. Couldn't spell DR. We had two services, one Italian, one English. They both sounded alike. <laughs> so my dad said, I'm going to church with you. I didn't want him to. But, you know, I always know. So I spent the night in prayer. How many of you have ever prayed and God didn't hear a word you said? (laughs) If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. So I I prayed this. I said, Lord, my dad's going to church tomorrow. You haven't been moving in the gifts of the Spirit lately. Don't start tomorrow. (laughs) Tone it down. Come on. And I said, Lord, you know, you, you know, you know, the pastor's not very eloquent, but well, let him use more than one syllable words. And I said, Lord, you know about Sister Chicken Walk. Every time the Holy Ghost hits that woman, she's everywhere. Ooh! I said, Lord, there's a 24 hour virus going around. Don't kill her, but keep her away. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, how many of you understand most people sit in the same seats every, every week? Yeah. I have this theory about that, too. Well, I, we, we were going to church early that morning because Sister Chickenwalk Walk always sat in the middle, so I wanted to get there early so we could sit in the front pew. <laughs> in fact, on the way to church, my dad says, this is going to be a wild church like a Southern Baptist. Well, like I said, most people sit in the same seats, and I have this theory that they rub their scent into their seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they mark it. Because have you ever seen someone's expression when someone's in their seat? It's like, (laughs) didn't you smell? It's mine. (laughs) Come on. So we got to church early and we got in the front pew and everything's going good until the service starts. Sister Chicken walks late that day because she's doing stretching exercises for the moves she's going to do. And when she walks in, she doesn't even sniff her seat. Walks right by it. It was empty. But she walks right by it. She comes up to me in the front pew, gives me a hug. My dad's right next to me. She looks at me. She says, I feel led to sit with you today. (laughs) I wanted to hit her with some lead, but it was, you know, all during worship. My dad's on one side. I'm in the middle. She's on the other side. I got my thumbs up. And really, you know, we're worshiping and I'm pretending I'm singing the words, but I'm saying make her stop. I know why she was late that morning because she was doing stretching exercises for the moves she was about ready to do. She was everywhere that morning. My my dad just staring at her. That morning, everyone had a tongue. Everyone had interpretation. Everyone had prophecy, some real, some false, but everyone had something. I mean, God wasn't talking until that morning. My dad showed up. God, you know, it's amazing. And then I thought it couldn't get any worse, and three ushers jumped on a little lady and cast the devil out of her. We never had deliverance in the church. My dad showed up. And by the time the pastor got up to preach, I stopped praying. It wasn't working. So rather than praying, I had my fingers crossed. I kept saying, eloquent God, eloquent. Pastor said, you'll never forget my message. I never have. He said, today, church, I want to talk about being hairs of God. I said, what? I was going to say silent H. He said, we are hairs of God, church. We are joint hares with Christ. He talked about living as clean hares, washing in the water of God's word. I was waiting for the split ends, but we didn't get there. But and I'm sitting there. My dad's professor emeritus at Columbia Law School. He's the president of the Bar Association. One of the leading legal minds in America listening to the hairs of God. <laughs> Finally, the pastor began to cry because, in that particular denomination, you can't preach unless you cry. It's in, it's in the manual. <laughs> and he said, Church, he said, This is serious. Sometimes a hair backslides. Are you one of God's missing hairs? <laughs> Made me want to get saved all over again. I thought I just got God going bald. We're driving home, and my dad's not saying a word, and I'm not saying a word. It's a miracle. Finally, after fifteen minutes, he looks over and said, "That was different." I said, "Yes, sir, it was." He said, what's he preaching on Wednesday night? I said, are you going? He said, I wouldn't miss this for anything.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, within the month, he's on the organ. The sister chicken walks, walk. Come on now. And Spirit of God spoke to me a couple of things. He said, when you're ashamed of your church, you're ashamed of your God. Come on. And you know. He said it was good enough for you. Why didn't you think it was good enough for him? My dad said, he said, you know, the pastor wasn't very smart, but there was a different spirit in the place. Then the Holy Spirit said something that freaked me, marked me. He said, you're not ashamed of the Father, and you're not ashamed of the Son. But when someone you cared about came, you asked me not to express myself. He said, Son, if you ever do that again, I'll never express myself in your presence again. So to be honest with you, I'll offend everyone else. I won't offend the Holy Ghost. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. There are times, I, I, if it could be God, I'm welcoming it. <laughs> there are times I wonder, okay, I hope that was you, God. But at least, you know, come on. You know, if I'm on air on either side, it's welcoming him. And yeah, we'll see a little bit of flesh, but we'll see a lot of the Spirit too. Come on. See, God wants to begin, you know, he wants you to claim your family. Some of you, he wants to claim your healing. Some of you, he wants you to find, if, if, you're, if you're, you know, many people are getting out of debt just listening to Dave Ramsey. And one of the reasons is they, they, there are all these testimonies of people, I'm debt free now, I'm debt free now. And, they, you know, and some people just stand up, me too. You know, they're saying me too before they are there, but they're, they're, they're in on it. Why? We need to know it's possible. We need to see people who got out of what we're in, praise God. And once we get out of it, you become an authorized dealer of whatever you receive. When you receive mercy, give mercy. When you receive the healing, minister healing. When you receive, come on. You know, at Victory, we would all the time. Billy Joe would give a word of knowledge when he was alive, say, "Uh, God's healing someone's back. Who are you? And a lot of times, there'd be about five or ten people. He said, come on up, tell people what Jesus did. And he learned to hold the mic. <laughs> so it wasn't, they weren't going to preach a whole message. But the bottom line is, afterwards, he told them, he said, okay, how many of you still out there have back problems? They raised their hands. And he said, you that just received your healing, why don't you say a prayer for them? Because God wanted to do it again. Come on. God wants to do something in this area. Come on, he wants to do something for you and then through you. For you, and then through you, he wants to give you a breakthrough, and then he wants you to become the agent of breakthrough for others. He wants to bless you. He wants to save you, so your family shall be saved. He wants to come on now. He, the more you receive, the more you can give. And tonight, some of you, you're stuck in some area, and I'm going to give an altar call specifically if you need a breakthrough. Now, if you've never made Jesus Lord of life, that is the number one breakthrough. So I want every head bowed, no one looking around. It's between you and God. And if you fall asleep, I pray God give you a dream.
1: <laughs> we hope this message encouraged you. Victory Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.